You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Our reading is from the book of Revelation, the seventh chapter, beginning with verse 9. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal, They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship Him day and night in His temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more. They will thirst no more. The sun will not strike Him, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I learned this week uh, that the process for gaining an Eagle Scout badge is called an ordeal. Here in our story, it says those who are robed in white, those who are gathering around the lambs are the ones who survived the ordeal. And I'm sure that getting the Eagle Scout badge is basically the same thing as being ushered into heaven around the throne with everyone kneeling before God. I'm sure it's samesies, the exact same thing, right? This is the time of the year where we ponder the mystery of heaven. We we remember in our hearts those who have gone before us, and we think about things like What is heaven? What does it look like? Who will be there? And of course, as a pastor, I've had these questions before. And as a parent, those of you who are parents may have had this question before. Around about the age of four or five is when these questions start to be asked. What is heaven like? Who's there? I remember uh, several years ago, I've I've told this story before, but it's it's worth repeating. Uh, Isabel was about five years old. She loves it when I talk about her. Uh, she was about five years old, and it was Valentine's Day, and we were headed to Imperial Cafe to pick up Chidi's takeout, because when you're married and have a couple kids, that's what you do on Valentine's Day. You go and get Chinese takeout and bring it home. And we're just driving down Yuri Drive, and all of a sudden she goes, Daddy, 
are Mimi and Papa going to die? And the first thought, honestly, that went through my head is, I just want to pick up some egg rolls. I don't want to have an existential discussion right now. But, 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 well, I say from the back seat, uh, to the back seat, um, everything that is born will one day die. So she started crying, and it didn't help. So I said, but, 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 when, it's not expected anytime soon, but when Mimi and Papa die, the good news is they will be with Jesus in heaven. So she cried even more, saying, I want Jesus, I, I want Mimi and Papa to be here. Uh, so th- I, this is a massive fail of a parent and, and also a pastor. Uh, so I said, oh, 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 but, but, what do we pray every night before going to bed? We pray the Lord's Prayer. And what do we say in the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's desire is for all of us to be together and for heaven and earth to be one. And that at least satisfied her long enough for us to pick up our egg rolls from Chinese takeout. So we get back in the car, and at this point I'm feeling relatively proud because I've brought the discussion to a, to a conclusion, a relative conclusion. And we get in the car and we start to drive home and, and then Isabel starts to ask again. She goes, but are Mimi and Papa going to die before April? And it was at that point that it dawned on me that she was going to Disney World in April with Mimi and Papa. She was just making sure that they were going to stick around long enough for her to see Mickey Mouse. She was not interested in this deep theological existential discussion with her pastor father. She just wanted to make sure she wasn't going to be left out of the trip. What, what, is, what, is, what, what is heaven? Who will be there? What does it look like? And, I, and I've heard people describe heaven as um, like a garden uh, or a valley. Some, some describe heaven as streets of gold and a table set before us in the presence of our enemies. Some people describe heaven as, as not so much uh, a, a, a destination, but, but kind of a, a location, a place that is familiar where mom is, 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 is fixing dinner for, for dad who has been uh, working on a building for, for the Lord. And who am I to question or to push back on any of, of these images, we all have some kind of image in our mind of what heaven must be like and who might be there or who might not. John of Patmos, who offered us the book of Revelation, offers us a picture of what heaven looks like. He says this, After this, I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. This is an important and beautiful picture that affirms God's promise to Abraham, God's promise to us in the person of Jesus, and the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. God's promise to Abraham. God tells Abraham, in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. So when John looks out into this great crowd of witnesses, it's the fulfillment of this Abraham promise, of Abraham saying yes to God. In fact, the word is used there, I saw the multitudes. The nations of the earth will be blessed 
through you, Abraham. The multitudes from generation to generation. And as we talked about in Tattoos on the Heart, God's story is a very long story. It outlasts those of us in the hearing of this word today. Thank God. It's a long story. It's a long story because it is a story of hope. An inadequate picture of hope is like planting a tree and you know that you won't rest under its shade. Through you, Abraham, the generations, the multitudes will be blessed. And it's the first thing that John says he sees when they are gathered around the lamb. Generation after generation. And it is a reminder of us. It's a prophetic reminder of how we should live here and now. Building a world, building a society, building a church for a generation that is not even yet born. Building the church for the other. Preparing the way. In a way, we're all like John the Baptist of sorts. Preparing the way of the Lord. Preparing the way for those who might call Jesus Lord. Preparing the way for those not yet born. That leads into God's promise in the person of Jesus. In John chapter 14, when we talk about all of the saints, when we talk about who is resting in the heart of God, John chapter 14 should resonate with us. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. Interestingly, Jesus didn't say, here are the tools, go prepare your own place. I go to prepare a place for you. As Christians, this is in our DNA. Our yes to God should always be outwardly focused. I go to prepare a place for you, not just for me. It's not, here are the tools, go prepare your, I go before you, preparing a place for you. This should be our DNA. This doesn't mean that we, we never follow our own calling. This does not mean that we never pay attention to ourselves or know ourselves. This doesn't mean that we never take a Sabbath or never take a break. We are called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And if we cannot rise to the occasion of learning how to love ourselves, loving the way that we've been created by God, it's a very difficult ask to then love someone else. But that call, that mission, I go to prepare a place for you, is also a prophetic calling for us to go and prepare a place for those who have not yet called Asbury home, for example. I go to prepare a place for you. Meaning that we are to fall in love with the joy of preparing a place for our neighbor in our life, at our table, in our prayers, There's a promise to Abraham. There's a promise through Jesus. There's also the promise of the Holy Spirit in the day of Pentecost. And all of these things are coming together in this reading. I'm fascinated that John, in his vision, when he sees the multitudes, even though they're all wearing white robes, he recognizes that they are all from all nations and all tribes and all languages. How does he know that? They're all wearing the garment of Christ. And it is fascinating to me that this is a continuation of what happened on Pentecost. On Pentecost, it was not one language that they were all called to learn. All who were there by the power of the Holy Spirit heard their mother tongue, 
spoken to them in intimate language that they knew from their childhood. The Holy Spirit talking to them in a language that they might understand. And this narrative continues into heaven. They're all wearing white robes. They're all wearing the garment of Christ. And yet he notices that they're from all nations and all tribes and all languages because those things are being spoken. All in heaven. Maybe it's just me. I just kind of assumed when I got to heaven it was, it was all English. <laughs> That's not what Revelation reveals. All languages there around the throne of God. Which offers us comfort. It also offers us a prophetic image of how we are to live in the here and now. All nations, all tribes, all languages. Christianity is not about assimilation. It is about redemption, and it is about salvation, and it is about resurrection. For example, the way we celebrate All Saints Day, it is one singular bell that is tolling, but that bell tolls with each individual name. Same frequency, same pitch, same white garment of Christ that has been cleansed in the blood of the Lamb, same bell is tolling, but it tolls for each Name and nation and tribe and culture and language. When we look at this vision of heaven, what we are seeing is a manifestation of the Trinity itself. St. Augustine was right, I think, when he says the Trinity is the lover. God and the beloved Jesus and the love that they share when we gather for worship you do understand that 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 when we gather for worship it too is a manifestation of the trinity there is God there is the body of Christ you the beloved wrapped in shared and mutual adoration the lover the beloved and the love that they share This is what the Trinity looks like. And as John looked into heaven, what he saw was the very heart of the Trinity itself. What does heaven look like? Turn to your right and turn to your left. And as we worship together, you've seen it. Worship is the heart of the Trinity. And when we recognize the saints, we recognize that this worship, this Trinity, this heart of God defies all space and time. It was, it is, and it always will be. Praise be to God. We are to remember the promise to Abraham. Through you, the nations will be blessed. God's promise through the person of Jesus Christ, I go to prepare a place for you. And the promise of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the teacher, who recognized and honored culture, but also offered people a language where they can hear the voice of God. All gathered around the Lamb. You know, it's said during this time of year with All Hallows' Eve and All Saints that the earth becomes a thin place where the line between the living and the dead, the line between creator and creation is very thin. 
It's soft, porous, and permeable. And when we worship and remember the saints, the earth becomes a thin, a thin place indeed where we see God and the heart of God clearly. May we go and prepare a place for one another as we remember the other who has gone before. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and holy and sovereign Lord, we give you thanks for the redemption that you have offered to us. We give you thanks for the robes that have been cleansed from the blood of the Lamb. We also stand in awe and wonder that even though it is one bell that tolls, it rings for each and every one of us. Father, every time that we gather, let us recognize the, how profound it is. May we worship well. May we remember well so that when the heart of the Trinity, when your heart is revealed, people will know of your great love. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.